Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Well, Steve, about probably eight or 10 years ago, I and one of my colleagues here in pastoral care, we were thinking about our field staff around the world and uh, realizing that we have no component within our pastoral care system that is the sabbatical. And um, she actually shared with me, you guys, excellent guide called, uh, I think it's just called Navigator's uh, Sabbatical Guidelines at least at that time it was. And I read that and kind of fell in love with the whole idea and the concept and how well you guys had designed it. So here we are this many years later, I had asked one of your colleagues, Steve Foley, if we could you know, borrow a lot of that material, adapt it a little bit to our context, send it back to him and say, could this work? And we would give you, you know, we would say all of this has come from the Navigators Org and Steve graciously said yes. So as a part of our resiliency episodes and interviews with people, I thought, let's go to the guys who do it like no one else, who do it the best that we know of, and ask the navigators to talk to us about sabbatical. So uh, just letting you guys in the audience know, that's why we have Steve Brown here with us today. Steve Brown, it's such a privilege to have you on Resiliency today. Uh, how about introducing yourself and your family and what your role is with the Navigators organization? Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here. It's a privilege. Uh, I graduated from uh, college and I went into the Navy for four years and I was a salvage diving officer while, while I was in. So I tell my kids I used to be cool. Uh, after oh I got God. out of the Navy, uh, about eight or nine years later, I actually joined Navigator staff and moved to uh, my very first assignment, which was in Columbia, South Carolina. And I met this wonderful woman named Kathy. And 13 months after we met, we were married. And so uh, Kathy and I have been married uh, over 35 years now. It's been the best 35 years of of my life. Uh, We have four kids. Uh, My role with with the, the navigators now, we're part of a train, develop, care team. And I'm called a design coach. And I have the privilege of mentoring, coaching, and training navigator staff, Mm -hmm. uh, helping them understand how God has designed them, helping them understand sabbaticals. Uh, We also have a relational healing ministry that we do with with our staff. It's a great introduction. Uh, How did the navigators decide to start sabbaticals for their staff? Back in the early 90s, uh, there was a lot of conflict among our staff, a lot of unhealthy choices. And as the navigator leadership began to just question what in the world is going on, uh, we discovered that most of our staff were living and ministering on the edge of burnout. Mm-hmm. Somehow, uh, we had created a culture within the navigators that didn't give our staff permission uh, to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So among other things, 
as we were talking to our national leadership team, um, we asked them to consider providing sabbaticals for our staff. Back in the day, uh, it was not considered uh, very positively to take a sabbatical. People thought you were weak if you have to take a uh, sabbatical. And so we're real excited that the Navigator's culture has changed through the years to where now um, sabbaticals are perceived to be a very positive, healthy thing. And I'm just so glad our national leadership decided to initiate sabbaticals for our staff because just like you all, they're our greatest resource. Right. Now, when, let me just, at the beginning of our time, when we talk about sabbaticals, let me define for you kind of what we mean when we say sabbatical. Yes. There's a lot of different definitions out there, a lot of different models out, out there. But when we say sabbatical within the navigators, we, we say sabbatical's not a vacation, but it's a guided process that enables us to disengage from normal ministry and leadership responsibilities for a period of time to allow for serious evaluation of life and ministry. So it's a time to kind of reset. It's a time to reconnect with, with God, to realign uh, what it is that he's asking us to uh, do. And so when we say sabbatical, it's the idea of a guided process. A lot of people think, I wish I could take a six-month va vacation. Right. Right. And yet when we talk about sabbatical, that's not what, what we have in mind. And I would also say that sabbaticals are an application, but they fit under a broader umbrella of rest, pace, margin, kind of the RPMs of our life. Hmm. When we talk about rest, we talk about what recharges you. When we talk about pace, we talk about the speed at which we live life. And when we talk about margin, we talk about the difference between our load and our limits. And so though not everybody can take a sabbatical with a model that we're going to talk about, yeah. I think everybody can take a look at the RPM of their lives and make health-giving, soul-nourishing adjustments. When we first started, investigating uh, sabbaticals within the uh, navigators, uh, as we looked at the U.S., about 10% of secular corporations had some sort of a sabbatical program. Okay. Some paid their people, some did, did not. Some were just a few weeks, some were up to a year. Some required some kind of a sabbatical product at the end, like a paper or a... Uh, report some some did not but today over 20 percent of secular corporations have some sort of a sabbatical program for their employees and 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 their staff good to hear i just want to say I, I would not have known that had you not shared it and that's really good to hear i'm i'm just kind of happy to know that this isn't just some christian ministry idea but it's one that has very much merit it has you know uh what's the word I'm looking for, like value in, in the in the marketplace, just in the in the secular work world also. That's awesome. One uh, recent story, I know a guy who owns a marketing firm. He has over 300 employees. He budgets $2,500 per year per employee, and he gives it to them to, quote, go do something fun. Hmm. 
and he asked them to give re- receipts to show what they did fund-wise. And so that's, I'm not saying every company does that, but there's an example of a company that had the vision that how can I care for my employees mm. so that, you know, they're, they're alive. So Steve, what, what's convinced you that sabbaticals are a good idea? When I was first asked to lead our sabbatical process, I spent a year reading the Bible asking, Father, is our sabbatical process biblical? By the way, Stephen Silas, what do you think I concluded? <laughs> I'm thinking yes. <laughs> I, I think there's probably some, some biblical background for that, yeah. It's a bit of a trick question. <laughs> uh, I actually concluded no. Okay. And, and I say it like this and people's eye, eyebrows raise, and it because the principle that our sabbatical is based on is certainly biblical. But the process itself is extra biblical. Okay. And I make this point uh, so people don't use our guidelines as the law. Yeah. Like you have to do your sabbatical this way. So as I read that, that was one thing that the Lord laid on my heart, that our process isn't particularly biblical. It's basically a cultural adaptation application of a biblical principle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So our guidelines are a way to help people to experience a sabbatical. Now, I think a sabbatical is quite biblical. And as I read through the Bible, uh, two passages uh, really impacted me. I think if you all read the Bible and with that question, there may be other passages that would impact you. But the passages that impact me were out of Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It's interesting, in creation, the third thing God blessed was rest. First thing he blessed was the birds of the air, fish of the sea. Then he blessed man and woman. Then he blessed rest. And then it's interesting in the fall, the third thing God cursed is the work of man's hands. Don't hear me say he cursed work because work is a blessing, but he just made it hard. Hmm. And so in the beginning, God blessed rest and he cursed the work of our hands. And in our fallenness, don't we often get the things of God backwards? Hmm. And today we tend to curse rest and to bless work. Just that observation or that thought has Im- impacted me. It's it changed my, my life. That rest is something that God blesses. Mm-hmm. And I had pretty much wrapped my head around uh, blessing work. Mm-hmm. The, the second passage that uh, struck me, mm-hmm. but in Leviticus uh, 23 and 25, that's where the sabbatical, or excuse me, the Sabbath is talked about then all the festivals are there. And then there is the sabbatic year and the year of Jubilee in those two, those two passages. It's interesting, regardless of which version of the Bible you use, there's a phrase in every section of uh, chapter 23, a section on the Sabbath, a section on each of the festivals. And that phrase in the NIV is, do no regular work. Mm-hmm. Do no regular work. And what I got out of that is when God was laying out a lifestyle for his people, it was to include periods of no regular work. 
I'm actually supposed to have times of no regular work in the cycle of my life. Hmm. Those two passages were quite formative for me. They, they gave me conviction that this direction uh, was a good thing. And the idea of, I call it sabbaticating, the idea of taking sub sabbaticals and sabbaticating or ceasing is actually a wonderful thing. Love it. Yeah, the biblical foundation sets the direction for the conversation for sure. Thanks so much. Yeah. Steve, you guys, the navigators, have done a really good job of setting people up well for, for sabbatical. Um, but it's one thing to have a, a great system like you, you have, but if the person or the individual who's getting ready to take sabbatical, if their understanding of why they need it is missing or incomplete, they could have a great, you could have a great system, we could have a great system. But uh, as far as that person taking sabbatical, they, they might not get the benefit out of it. So help us understand your philosophy, why, why it's important, why do we need it, so that that, that person who might be maybe incomplete in their understanding can, can get the, the benefit out of it? That's a great, great question, Silas. Thanks for asking that. I think I'd like to answer that question kind of two ways on our philosophy and why we think it's needed. One would be what's our biblical basis? And then uh, why, and, and then ask why we think folks need it. So I want to, here's some biblical ideas, mm-hmm. and then here's kind of a why. If you think about four circles, and there's one circle would be the process, one circle would be a precedent, one circle would be an application, and one circle would be a principle. I'm kind of working backwards in time. Our sabbatical process is based on a biblical precedent, which is based on a biblical application which is based on a biblical principle. Mm. Our process, when I say it's based on a biblical precedent, that precedent is the sabbatic year. Mm-hmm. And that's out of uh, Leviticus 25, verses 1, 1 through 7. So God set up a precedent, if you will, of having a sabbatical by having the sabbatic year. The sabbatic year is based on our interpretation of the sabbatical, excuse me, the Sabbath application of actually having one day out of seven set aside to cease. And that's out of Exodus 20. And then that Sabbath application is based on the biblical principle of rest from Genesis 2, 2 and 3. And so uh, that's kind of how we got where we are. Our process is based on a precedent, which is based on an application, which is based on a principle. So that's kind of our biblical basis, Silas. The why, that's when we could sit back and you've opened up a whole wide array of, so why would would we wanna do this? And I thought um, a, a way of saying this is that Our position in the navigators on the idea of sabbatical makes some assumptions. And so I'm going to share some of these assumptions. One assumption is that the messenger is the message, particularly in Christian work. 
the messenger has to live out the gospel or the message will become meaningless. Mm -hmm. um, if I was a brain surgeon, I could live any kind of lifestyle I wanted. I could make whatever choices I want. I could still be pretty skilled at, at what I do. But that wouldn't be true on somebody who's a minister of the gospel. There has to be integrity between what I say, what I do, and what I, what I think. And that takes a lot of soul work. Mm -hmm. So the idea that the messenger is the message is kind of a way to say that. Mm -hmm. Another assumption that we assume in our position is that we are made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And in Genesis 2, which we hang a lot of our hat on that idea, is that God rested God chose to rest now did he need to rest I don't know but he did choose to rest Jesus practiced rest and he also in, encouraged rest and so as being made in the image of God we should encourage and practice rest as as well no. as our position also assumes that maybe there's a simple formula uh, uh, around this idea that life without margin leads to stress without recovery, which leads to physical exhaustion and spiritual dryness. So lack of margin, stress without re recovery, physical exhaustion and spiritual dryness, and nobody wants to be here. Mm -hmm. And so how can we live life with margin? so that we have room for the rest pace margin of our lives. We also assume, I might get a little, little bit preachy here. <laughs> um, we also assume that our soul needs attention. Yeah. Um, our soul needs attention because we have an enemy. From the beginning, Satan's strategy has been to destroy intimacy between God and us. Mm -hmm. And he does this by causing us to doubt God's love and his goodness. And when we doubt, we hide. G.K. Chesterton once said that the glory of God is man fully alive. And when we hide, our souls are shackled into bondage. Mm -hmm. And transparency is what releases our soul out into freedom. And so because of an enemy, we have to care for our soul. That's great. We also need, our soul needs attention because of the cultures that we live in and the way we were created. We live in a culture that slowly strangles our souls through neglect. Our soul was needed and created for, a, for some kind of attention. Our soul muscles will atrophy if we don't exercise them regularly with soulish things. The way I, like I think about the air it is quotes the, more, there, the air quotes on soulish. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we invent all kinds of words here. Soulish. Um, I think the noise of, of the world deadens our spiritual senses. And we were created to need periods of silence. Mm -hmm. And our culture and our design mitigates against that. Mm -hmm. If you and I were talking, let's say I was sitting here drumming on my table with a set of drumsticks, and you and I are trying to have a conversation, it's real hard to have a conversation. 
bass and with that drumstick going on. And in our, in our cultures like that, it's constantly the noise is drumming out the things that our soul needs. So an assumption is that our soul needs uh, attention. And our soul also needs attention so we can just love God more. In, in Matthew 23, 27, it says, we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And I think in order for us to love God with our complete heart, our entire soul, and our whole mind, we have to grow our hearts. We have to grow our souls. We have to grow our minds. Each needs attention. Yeah. And part of our maturing process lies in freeing ourselves from those things that bind our souls, healing our damaged emotions, and applying truth to the lies that we believe in our mind. And one person said that we can only love God to the degree that we are free and, and informed. Mm-hmm. So we asked the question, you know, why do we think people need a sabbatical? I gave kind of a biblical basis for it and kind of some assumptions on the position that we have with, within the navigators. And I'm sure we go off on a lot of different other <laughs> angles to talk about why we think a sabbatical is a good idea. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you've already begun to answer the next question I have in my mind, but um, we, we had a, a guest recently from Alongside Ministries, John DeCryder, and he, he spoke about Sabbath and the need we have for Sabbath coming out of how we were created. We were created for Sabbath. And, and so uh, I was going to ask the question, do you, do you see a connection between Sabbath and sabbatical? But you've already really, you've kind of drawn that connection already. But what, what is it about, um, uh, well, what is that connection and how does it help us to be more in tune with who God made us to be? And I think some of that's going to be those assumptions that you talked about, but, but I think there's probably more there that, that is worth unpacking. And I think I like to answer that in, in, in the idea of there's a connection around rest and there's a connection around rhythms. Mm. And so uh, in the arena of, of rest, um, you know, there are several models of sabbaticals out there. Um, in the educational field, sabbatical is often about research. Mm-hmm. In the medical field, it's often about cross-training or cross-experience. Um, in the clergy field, it's often about writing a book or st- studying. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the musical field, it's usually about composing maybe a new genre. Um, within the, the navigator sabbatical model, uh, we focus on the idea of rest. And so we think there is a connection between Sabbath and sabbatical because our sabbatical model is based on the principle of rest. It's the kind of rest or ceasing that Sabbath talks about and that God had in mind when he created Sabbath. Mm. In Exodus 20, verse 9, it says, and many of us are familiar with this passage, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. So we in the navigators use the principle of rest from Genesis to talk about the application of the Sabbath in Exodus 
and it talks about the precedent of the sabbatic year in Leviticus, and through that we create our sabbatical process. So we encourage those on our Sabbath, on our sabbatical process, who take a Sabbath, who take a sabbatical, getting all those words kind of mixed up, is to learn how to rest and to recharge. And so our bias is that most people don't know how to rest. Mm-hmm. And so we certainly think from a rest angle, Sabbath and sabbatical are quite linked. Yeah. The other angle I, I was thinking on that is in the area of rhythms, rhythms that encourage rest. Um, God designed us from the very beginning with a cycle of engagement and rest, engagement and rest. We see this in the daily rhythms of we work and we sleep. We work and we sleep. We see it in the annual rhythm of seasons. Mm-hmm. We also see this in the seven-day cycle in, in the law with Sabbath. Uh, this is another way of how we often get the things of God backwards because we will often not do the rest, but we will do the work. We often get the things of God back backwards. So this brings us to the question of how do we apply Sabbath now? And um, I'd like to say I have a bias. Many people uh, justify the Sabbath by using mostly verses from the Old Testament. And some people believe strongly that every seven days we are to Sabbath. We are to cease. So two passages that have been impactful for me would be Colossians 2.16 and then Mark 2.27. Colossians 2.16 says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Paul was writing, don't let people judge you by when you do these certain practices. And then in Mark, to um, 27, Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Those two passages have impacted me, and I feel free to not practice Sabbath every seven days. I believe that we should practice a rhythm of rest, and we should include rest in our life cycle. I kind of find I'm a 10 to 12 day Sabbather. Uh, I find that every 10 to 12 days, I need to slow down. Um, I don't necessarily have to do it every every seven days. In the next episode, we're going to hear again from Steve Brown on how the navigators take these principles and apply it to set up sabbatical for their workers. Well, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. That does it for this episode of Resiliency. You can follow us on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast. And so for now, I'm Silas West, and thank you for listening to Resiliency. Resiliency.